1: Welcome to another edition of Life Behind Bars. I'm Noah Rothbaum, the Daily Beast half-full editor. Joining me as always is my colleague and co-host David Wondrich. How are you, Dave? Good. How are you? I am very good. I am excited. We have a special lineup for this episode, a special show. We, we are going to be joined by our Good friends, Robin Nance, senior manager of trade engagement for BM Suntory, an award-winning former brand ambassador, and then also our friend, the award-winning and illustrious bartender Jeffrey Morgenthaler, author of the Bar Book and Drinking Distilled. Jeffrey, I think, is currently our most frequent guest on Life Behind Bars since we we launched. So uh, this uh, will. Uh,
2: only... it's, it's an important title, and uh, you know he's earned it.
1: He has definitely earned it—the the red jacket to uh, yeah. for the, our most frequent guests. So, <laughs> welcome, um, Robin and Jeffrey. Uh, Hello, hi guys. The four of us have been talking, you know, you know, individually in small groups about the pandemic and its effect on bars and bartending, bar culture. You know, especially as we we open up, um, as things you know hopefully knock on wood or. Uh, Only going to get better and Dave and i thought like why not get us all together on one episode to uh, to chat last year we did a big program that uh that jeffrey you were part of called bartenders at home and you know we we had then um you know and you know bartenders obviously who were furloughed making drinks and then we had a series of podcasts you know with with bartenders talking about you know different issues affecting them you know during the pandemic and you know, it was really interesting sort of, you know, in the middle of all of this to see how people were working and, you know, keeping, you know, uh, their bars open and, um, you know, pivoting. And, and now I think it's, it sounds crazy, but it feels sort of sudden that like. We're, we're coming to the end of this pandemic and you know in some ways I've, it seems like we've been in it for 10 years in other ways it seems like it's been two days but clearly i think the effects are going to be pretty long term um for our industry
0: very long term i mean we're going to see i mean we're you know obviously outside of the uh, obvious which is you know so many places having to close close permanently um, or, or or reformat. I think that we're going to see a big shift in. I think we already have seen a big shift in the way service works, and and certainly in um, you know bartenders and servers' attitudes towards service and guests and and even you know management and ownership. This is this is i think just the beginning
2: so they they're, they're going to be more accepting right and 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 really really happy uh with everybody personal demands and all that right i,
0: I think the i think the days of of being totally accepting and and well maybe not ex- accepting maybe not the right word but um uh people's tolerance for uh can we say bullshit
2: yeah you can and that's actually that's the right word for it too i think
0: Yeah, I think that that's I think that that's that's kind of going away, you know, at least for a little while. Um, You know, service industry has put up with a lot, a lot, especially over the past year and a half. And I I think that the tolerance is 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 done. You know, I, I talk to bartenders all the time that are just, you know, I mean, people that were were working during the pandemic. I was certainly working during the pandemic a little bit, and you know, just the just the basic tolerance for for somebody having to having to police somebody not wanting to wear a mask to come up to the to the window to order you know just the most basic thing having to deal with that every 15 seconds has just really put a it's put a different spin on on service for us
2: i mean that all that stuff comes at a huge psychic cost
0: oh yeah
2: every every time you have Every time you've got conflict
0: with somebody that comes at a huge. And and it was already hard. I mean, the job, it's not like the job was easy. You know, Uh, uh, you know, bartenders have got, uh, you know, bartenders have always had to, to have their eye on the uh, scanning, the, you know, the crowd looking for, you know, so many things. And now, and now, you know, we're going to pile on a bunch more.
2: Usually I work maybe You know, two bar shifts a year, which is is more than enough for me. But uh, Last year, I didn't work any. And that was really, really good for me because I was looking at what was going on. It's like, oh, my God, what happened to these people? You know, some of these people used to be at least manageable. But oh, my God, it's
0: really it's 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 scary. It's really hard.
1: Well, Jeffrey, you in in May you had published the story on Half Full called "Has the Coronavirus Pandemic Destroyed American Bar Culture?" And you know you you talked about you know some of the you know the really really hard circumstances you know facing bartenders and bar owners you know over the last year or so. And but but the tenor of the piece was was also kind of you know asking people to like come back together, right? I mean that's like as we come out of this pandemic, like to use the bar as kind of the, the, as a unifying force. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I mean, that, that piece really grew out of a conversation I had with a a friend who's another lifelong bartender uh, who's talking about, you know, some of his staff, his younger staff servers um, wanting to not uh, have to serve people who had voted for the wrong guy. And as much as, as much as I want to agree with the sentiment that they, that, that that wrong guy was really wrong. um, We can't, that's a really scary road to go down for bars. This idea that, you know, bars are going to become so politicized that like um, we're going to stop serving people because they might have different political opinions. And I know that everything is so heightened right now and everything is so tense, but uh, it was really a plea to like, Hey, We've got to figure out a way to, there's the common ground, should at the very, very, very least be the bar, you know? Well, I mean, otherwise you end up with bars that are monocultures.
2: And yes. Those bars suck, They're, no matter what the monoculture is, you know? It, Absolutely. It doesn't matter. It's just, I want to I want to be like in a bar where there are people different from me who I, will tell me jokes I haven't heard before.
0: It's the know? sign of a healthy bar that that everybody from all walks of life. Yeah, you all come and-
2: in and- there's yeah. some weirdo there who, whose politics might be uh, bad uh, when they're online, but in person, they're perfectly charming and pleasant. Yeah. I'll
0: take it. Absolutely. So,
1: I I remember one of, I, I think it was the first story, Dave, that you wrote for Half Full about politics and drinking and, and how, not how politics drives one to drink, but um how, you know, back in the day, you know, Different politicians of of different parties would meet at the end of the day for a drink. There was a bar in the Capitol. Yeah. There yeah. were bars that they would go to, and that you know, seemingly over the last, I don't know, ten years, maybe longer, there's almost nobody crossing the aisle. Nobody working together, and 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 I think you rightly one of the things, the problems here is that. Nobody drinks together at the end of the day, right? I mean, it's, it's harder to like, yeah, They don't you know, see the
2: human side of, of, of their opposition. You know, they, everybody's just like some political abstract. And if you're drinking with people, you go, okay, this guy's a real knucklehead. But, you know, uh, he's kind of fun. and Yeah,
0: a lovable knucklehead.
1: And we both love bourbon.
2: Yeah, yeah, both love bourbon. And you get all kinds of opinions like that. And those at least complicate things. And you see the humanity if we can't drink together that's that's a bad sign
1: very coming out of this pandemic it's also an opportunity to kind of reset right and and change things up and robin i know half of we would worked with you on a really interesting project um you know with the blend um and you know called refire you know kind of looking at you know a lot of different issues affecting you know our culture and This almost is an opportunity, kind of like after prohibition, to to reset our culture and to do things a little bit differently than than we were doing before.
3: Absolutely, yeah. I mean, obviously, this has been a terrible time period for for bar culture and and the industry as a whole. But you know, there's there's this incredible opportunity to learn and create something so much better. And a lot of the conversations that I had been having with with folks was you know how do obviously also looking toward you know so many people were having conversations about getting out of the industry and you know i was getting messages from people that were like oh i'm thinking about going back to school and doing this and doing that and and seeing sort of that (laughs) the future which we're in now where you know people are 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 struggling to hire folks and it's because no one is going to work for you know a a non-livable wage anymore and there was a lot of realizations that people came to and, um, you know, refire was kind of, was kind of born out of that. And it's, it's, it's multifold. It's not just about, you know, wages, although we do, we do address that, but also, you know, I think we like to think we're super inclusive as an industry, but we leave a lot of people out. Um, and so really just addressing how to become, a broader, more inclusive community and also how to fight for, you know, the respect and the pay that people deserve to to be the servers of their community. You know, like this, this industry feeds and nourishes their community and they're treated less than. That was really the, the inspiration behind the project.
1: It's a really interesting project and in, in touching upon like a livable wage, I think the pandemic really showed sort of the problem with a lot of the business models of bar of bars, you know, especially craft cocktail bars, you know, Mm -hmm. in America that, you know, really weren't able to shut down even for a few weeks, let alone months. You know, it, it, there was, I think we, you know, we're at a point where maybe we need to reevaluate the business model and, and, and kind of focus on making sure that bars are, profitable enough that they can pay a livable wage, that people can have health care, that it can be an industry where people want to work, you know, for their whole career, kind of almost going back to, uh, you know, in some ways, you know, uh, you know, the way that the bar industry was, you know, maybe, you know, in the 1800s, right, or before prohibition where it was an honorable profession, one that you could work in and make a, a wage to support yourself.
3: Absolutely, I have a lot of passion around livable wage and and just generally how the whole business model needs to be reexamined. As you mentioned, I I think of it this way: if the people that are keeping you in business and are representing you as an owner of a business can't eat or can't pay rent or are struggling, then how successful is your business really?
1: And maybe and the focus for so long has been, you know, obviously getting people to drink better. I mean, I think thankfully we're, we're there, right? I mean, like, you know, 20 years ago there were you walk into a bar, there were no old fashions, right? There were, you know, you asked for a martini it was made with chocolate sauce and, you know, <laughs> uh, coffee liqueur, right? I mean, it's like we're we're definitely there, but it's you know, a lot of the the episodes that Dave and I did during the pandemic talking to people, you know, in the middle of 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 you know, of COVID was that you know they realized like, look, like we gotta get back to giving people drinks that they enjoy drinking that taste good and 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 maybe some of the more expensive and rare ingredients that you know we're using, like you know a eighth of an ounce in a cocktail or as a rinse, like it wasn't economically viable anymore, and maybe it's not economically viable at all to like make those types of drinks and do you think that we'll see drinks change, you know, coming out of COVID to make them more, more profitable, bigger profit margins for the bars? No,
0: they're not going to be $8 anymore. I can tell you that much. <laughs> um,
1: the, it's so funny. Like we were always
0: the, the holdout in Portland. Like we, you know, my boss always felt very strongly that we, you know, not overcharge our guests mm-hmm. for drinks. And so, you know, our, our, Drink menu ranged from seven to twelve dollars at Clyde Common uh, for a long time. Yeah, it was always quite real. Yeah. And then and then with the pandemic, I feel like everybody that was doing the same thing, everybody just went fuck it, 15 bucks, you know. <laughs> uh, which seems to be kind of like the base price these well, I mean,
2: otherwise you you gotta you gotta finance this somehow. And otherwise it comes out of the out of the head bartenders or the sort of the the most experienced people's yeah. packet because uh those are the people who are actually making money it, it
0: comes it comes from a lot of places i mean it's 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 tough uh we're already seeing at least in portland you know not a lot of places downtown downtown is very expensive and and if uh okay. if your primary cost is rent with with um you know labor cost coming in number 2 uh and especially if you if you want to you know if you want to pay people properly mm-hmm. and, and you want to, um, you know, make labor costs, then maybe we don't. Maybe downtowns don't exist for a little while. You know, I mean, we've seen that before in history, certainly in American cities, uh, and I think we'll probably start seeing that again.
2: Here in New York, it, it, it's sort of weird. Uh, I've noticed uh, one in, encouraging thing is a number of bars that I thought closed for good. And and even some restaurants are suddenly open again.
0: Yeah, that's amazing.
2: I suspect that's due to the fact that their landlord wanted to kick them out, but couldn't find anybody else. And they finally came to an agreement. But that's a, that's, that's my guess. Uh, that's a very
0: good guess. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's how that works.
2: <laughs> that's how that works. It's all yeah. right. We're stuck with each yeah. other. Uh, but, but you know, and, and and again, like you're right. It's not in the heart of downtown where Uh, pedestrian traffic. I mean, Manhattan's always in New York is always a little weird, because the downtown is such a hyper downtown. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's in places like uh, downtown Brooklyn, as opposed to downtown Manhattan. Uh, There, there are a lot of bars are open again, and it's it's amazing. But that's a place that's got a lot of people who live there and uh, that has a community already. Uh, Places that aren't community, I think are probably still going to be in trouble because the, the business patterns aren't coming back.
1: And I think that's a good point. I mean, we, we still don't know, right? I mean, so many people have moved around because of the pandemic, mm-hmm. and a lot of companies haven't announced yet what they're going to do with their offices, that potentially a lot of the people who moved out of big cities across the country for you know Portland, Maine, to Denver, to all over, the, to Vermont, may not have to come back. I mean, I think in the back of all of our minds, we always had this idea that everybody who left New York or Chicago or LA or San Francisco would would have to come back at some point, right? But like, there's also a scenario where a lot of companies realize, well, maybe we don't need to rent 10 floors of an expensive, like, you know, tower downtown.
0: Yeah. And suddenly you don't see five bars located you know, within a block or two of those 10 floors downtown, right?
1: Exactly.
2: On, on the other hand, I was out in the, in the country about 100 miles from New York on the uh, upper Delaware River in the little town of uh, Kashect New York. And it's, uh, a pair of uh, classic hipster bartenders who worked at various famous New York bars opened a bar up there uh, two years ago and they were struggling a little bit uh, I was just up there a couple of weeks ago and they're booming. They're opening a liquor store across the street, Amazing. you know? So it's possible that this stuff is just going to meet the people.
1: Right. You mm-hmm. know, And we'll see, we'll see more bars and places that never really had craft cocktail bars or craft because, cocktail. Because scenes, the
2: people who know? are, who are moving out to those places have expectations. Once you, once you give people good drinks, like, you know, made by made with care and in a, in a in a really pleasant bar environment, uh, I think people have a hard time going back. Agreed. They want that wherever it is.
0: Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quinn's is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.
1: Well, Robin, have, have you seen in Chicago, like, big changes in the bar scene now? Like, still fairly shut down or places sort of back open or...
3: Yeah, it's starting to kind of open back. There's definitely some some kind of industry faves that have not have not reopened. Um, there's a couple of places that transitioned to sort of like the takeaway model mm-hmm. um, that are now transitioning back to actually being an in, inside restaurant, like seating people inside. Um, so it's starting to happen. There's a few places that aren't coming back. Um, sadly, my my like local favorite, thirty six years. Uh, open um was a, a victim of of COVID. So there's a there's a few sad, sad uh stories, but I think for the most part it's it's starting to open back up. I mean we definitely were one of those cities where quite a few people moved. Um it's interesting. I've been I've been spending a lot of time down in Louisville. Um and like the housing market down there is out of control because mm-hmm. so many people moved there. <laughs> and yeah. I think there's a, a lot you saw all the, the people from LA moving to Austin and you know, you've got all of these smaller cities that just got this massive influx of people. And and when I go out down there, it's wild. Like I mean, it's like nothing ever happened. So it's like
1: all of the places that you know you go on vacation or you visit for work and you think, Oh, wouldn't it be amazing to live there? You know, like, oh, mm-hmm. like if only I could move my life to Louisville. I've thought about it more than once, I'm not gonna lie. And <laughs> and you know, in, in the last year for a lot of people, it allowed them to do that, like they could pick up. I mean, a lot of, you know, friends, colleagues definitely Mm -hmm. did that. You know, we're sort of able to live out this fantasy, you know, of of moving to all these places (laughs) that we think about. And, and some of them also like, you know, we've seen this over the last few years, you know, a lot of these smaller towns, cities, villages also allow you to like, you know, you always wanted to open that liquor store or that bar Mm -hmm. or that Mm -hmm. bakery or, what whatever it is, you know, where, you know, that dream is like ever harder in, in New York or Chicago or LA where the rents are just so through the roof that, you know, there, there, you need a lot of runway and you need it to be a hit immediately where, you know, I feel like every show on, you know, TV is, you know, went from people flipping houses to people like redoing, you know, down and out towns. To like make them, you know, uh, their dream town, you know, which now has, you know, a fancy ice cream shop and a letterpress store and, you know, and all the things that, like, you know, one fantasizes about. All the thing, uh, all the things opening. you need in
0: a city an ice cream shop and a letterpress <laughs> shop. Like, where
3: is this town? Right. I want exactly. to live. Why
0: go anywhere cream, else? else?
1: right oh. shoemaker no thank you like, i haven't
0: left downtown wow. in four years we got a letterpress place we got an ice cream shop i got everything i need
2: they got combo
1: yeah I, I think we've just described downtown yeah. portland but i could be wrong um, it's not like that anymore i'll tell you
0: but you know you, to your point uh, you know people saying i've always wanted to pack up and move to a smaller town uh, another thing is happening people saying i've always wanted to quit the service industry and, and, right. you know, I've got two of my bartenders, yeah. you know, since, since Clyde is, uh, looks like probably not coming back, two of my bartenders are already personal trainers, uh, <laughs> that have just, they're like, yeah. I don't want to 10 bar anymore. I don't ever, you know, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. And I want to, you know, I want to do something healthy. Well,
2: there were a lot of people who were in it who couldn't leave because they were making such uh-huh. good money. Yeah. You
3: know, yeah. I think the one thing that I do hope that we, hold on to with all our might is sort of that slow down and sort of embrace. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I know personally I went through, you know, I was traveling 75, 80% of the year and that came to a screeching halt. And about three months in, I was like, I've been exhausted for ten, <laughs> 10 years. Yeah. I know, right? It's been yeah, a decade. I've been so tired. Oh yeah, for a couple of days. No, for
0: ten years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, having a
2: year without without six a.m. or five a.m. wake-ups Ooh. to go to the airport
1: was amazing. Yeah. Or not worrying about like the weather in Atlanta, even if you're yeah. not flying anywhere near Atlanta, but you know the plane's coming from yeah. there, and you know
3: the sound of a suitcase unzipping is traumatic now <laughs>
1: <laughs> the handle coming out of the back the telescoping handle well i, I think robin one of the one of the things we had that you had talked about it in the refire series was also like it being more inclusive right and in, in china like you know even things like bar design right you, you know trying to get get encourage you know more people to come into the industry and stay in the industry and even looking at things like the way that like the bar is set up so that it would allow people of all you know shapes and heights to work behind the bar right and and i think that's yeah. th- those are things that we never thought about and in places like new york it's so dictated by like the ridiculous price of real estate that you put in a bar and kind of the service side of the bar is an afterthought and you just have to contort your body into that space, whether it's good for you or not. Like, um, and maybe that's, maybe that's something that can change too after the the pandemic.
3: Yeah. I mean, I, I will say that that is sort of the space where I have, I have grown quite a deep passion and, and obviously, you know, coming from this industry for years and understanding, like, you know, Chairs Chairs or dollar signs, and get as many covers in as you can, and understanding that, but I, I again I think it's it's a symptom of a poorly established system, you know, but when when you have conversations like with Ver i mean obviously I have a lot of passion around the Vergi conversation, Virgi Tovar, who did our our um weight discrimination conversation, and just when you hear the numbers of Larger bodied individuals in the United States who are excluded from spaces because they aren't built for them, and the amount of money that's being left on the table by not catering to that audience. It, it, it's interesting because you start to think about well, we've always been taught, you know, cram as many seats in as possible, but what if we did allow for space and allow for different bodies and people with different accessibility issues? And maybe we didn't have as many seats. Would we still make the same amount of money because we'd be catering to an audience that no one talks to? So it was a really interesting conversation to have and a concept to kind of you know start to wrap your brain around. Uh, you know, I mean, in, in that one talk, it was you know seventy percent of Americans are plus size, and they spend th- on average three times more than straight size people, and shop ninety percent more often. So like just those numbers, you're like, oh, wait a minute. Um, and, and some of the really, and I do, you know, you, you mentioned as we build out venues, considering things like that, but even some of the easy stuff, like just listing information on your website um, so that people know about it, have access to it, training people who answer the phones to be able to answer those kinds of questions so that people feel welcomed. Like that, that's that piece of that community that I think we're missing. Um, and you know, things like, I mean, this is something that I've gotten really passionate about in the work that we do with PowerPoint presentations and things like that. Um, you know, are you considering people that might be colorblind when you design your menu?
1: Wow. Yeah.
3: Yeah. There's just so many things that alienate a lot of your community and a lot of your guests that are really easy to solve for.
1: I think one of the things we need to recommit ourselves is the hospitality aspect. Yes, it's hard. I mean, you know, going back to what we were talking about at the beginning of the episode, you know, about you know systemic burnout and just how hard the pandemic has been on bars and and bar owners and bartenders. But I think, you know, the success lies in sort of a recommitment to hospitality and and trying to welcome guests and and make them feel as comfortable as possible, and hopefully that expands the number of people who want to come. And.
2: But doesn't that also, uh, after the pandemic, and, and given also what we were talking about, now it seems like there also needs to be a, maybe a code for the guest as well. Like maybe some kind of new Sasha Petrosky milk and honey rule. <laughs> for, you know, this is, yeah here we are, this is how you behave, this is how we'll behave. Mm. Let's have a little contract here. We're going to take as good care of you as we can but you're going to have to not be an we're, asshole. We're
0: already seeing it. I mean, that's yeah. that's already that's already simmering. You know, you're seeing a lot of places Good. with rules that it's kind of a zero tolerance po- policy on, on being assholes. Somebody's got to do it to these people because they need to learn.
1: Well, also just sort of a redefinition of the term hospitality, right? I mean, yeah. I think that a minority of customers, that means carte blanche, right? The the No matter how absurd they act or... You know their request that the customer is always right, right? Which is which is not fair. It's not. It's not sustainable.
0: No, a lot of a lot of people were really catered to in the in this like modern age of like extreme hospitality. You know, I would watch bartenders mm-hmm. bend over backwards sometimes to help a, a a guest that that really just wanted to be difficult, and while while watching the entire rest of the bar just die because. You know, we're we're spending all our our time being hospitable to this very difficult person, and now nobody's getting a drink because one guy just feels yeah. like being a fucking asshole.
3: Oh, it's like the the Danny Meyer story where the guy left his wallet in the cab and. They like tracked it down and, and the conversation around well, what happened to everybody that wasn't being taken care of yeah. while well, that person was yeah, getting a exactly, out of the <laughs> was a lot of payroll.
0: Exactly. <laughs> it it seems, I mean, in that regard, it seems like bad hospitality to me, you know. <laughs> yeah.
1: Somehow, if we could, you know, maybe it is rules, maybe it's it's you know, pushing out the really bad apples. And, and, and then focusing on making the other people feel comfortable.
2: There's a model for this, you know, that's been very successful for very many years. And that's called the dive bar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you, know, where yeah. you go in and you start acting like an asshole. And first the uh, bartender ignores you. <laughs> and then everybody else ignores you. And then you get thrown out. Right. You know, I, I mean, first the bartender makes fun of you actually and you know it's like all right you're not quitting oh then now I'm going to ignore you now you're out you know now you're banned
1: and you're banned you're not coming back like yeah. it. well i know like you know uh, i i won't embarrass my friend by naming him but like i know somebody who's banned from um swift you know one of my you know our favorite bars in new york irish bar and, and you know <laughs> no I'm matter curious. yeah and, and no matter and and it was like and you know Matt, i don't know what happened but that's it like he's Yeah. They won't let him back in. And that's and that's how it is. And 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 there's no convincing them. And I you know what? I you know, I respect that. You don't behave like you don't get the you don't get the drink there. You don't like it
2: says at McSorley's be good or be gone. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, that that model, uh, it's so many uh, kind of modern cocktail bar uh, bartenders have this have this very, you know, sort of like elegant aesthetic of, 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 of handling customers, et cetera. And we might need a little, a little more bare knuckle in there.
1: <laughs> and then to refocus our efforts, you know, away from the one person who, you know, it takes yeah, 30 yeah. minutes to, to then, you know, making, making other people feel welcome and, 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 and focusing on creating, the you know what what our old friend and and colleague gary regan would call like crack you know the the talk in the bar you know yeah. the the spirit the you know the that that good feeling when you walk in and and i think so much of that has that have, that has eroded for one reason or another over the last few years i don't know it's always a joy to see you know you're ever at a bar and dale de groff you know it's obviously legendary bartender and Dale, you know, is able to, you know, like you, Jeffrey, carry on four or five different conversations with people at once. You know, everybody has a drink. Everybody is happy. You know, those Mm -hmm. who want to be alone are left alone. Those who are looking to bend somebody's ear, you know, he's talking to them. You know, those two people who are looking to meet other people, he'll introduce you. I mean, that's, that's a good bar. Like, that's a good, you know, that's the ideal.
2: That was what put uh, Clyde Common on my best bars list back when I worked for another publication. <laughs> uh, was the fact that you know I went in and everybody was talking, everybody
0: was yeah. happy. It was a community. Yeah, that was a really beautiful thing.
2: That was a beautiful thing, and that's, I, I mean, that's what ha- that's what you can do if you can squish some of the troublemakers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You, you can say, all right, you're not dominating, you know, we got a beautiful community here. The community is dominating. Absolutely. You yeah. Know, that's the most important Absolutely. thing. Absolutely.
1: And I think that also comes from, you know, the drinks too. And, and, you know, maybe less of more of a focus on, on getting people to drink what they like and, 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 and adding a little bit more fun back in. I mean, I think, you know, you know, we're all probably guilty of it, but getting very serious about cocktails and spirits, you know, and at the end of the day, it's cocktails and spirits. And I think it should, people it should be, people should be having fun. Like they should be, it should be fun to take drink. It shouldn't feel like work. It shouldn't feel you know, like they have to study to, to step up to the bar. They don't, they don't need to quote Dave when they're ordering a drink. You know, they, they should just order and, and they should feel not scared or nervous. Come on,
0: Noah, that's all I
1: got. You
0: know, it also, it, it used to be a fun job as well, you yeah. know, and, and, it's, and yeah. it's not right now. It's, it's really not a fun job. It's not a fun career right now and that's heartbreaking to see, you know. I mean, it's what kept me from continuing a career in architecture was I had more fun working in a bar. You know, it's like I think I'll just stay and do this. You know, I'm tired of getting laid off all the time. I think I'm (laughs) and I have a really good time. Uh and I can show people a good time because I'm having a good time. And and that's just not the case with, with bars and bartending right now it's not fun it's it's work and well
2: i've been to a couple bars recently that looks like the fun is coming back great and that's very great
0: (laughs) yeah but it's always fun when you're in the bar dave i mean it's easy to fake it when when (laughs) dave wonderich walks in
2: you know the minute i'm
0: gone the 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 it just goes back it's just fucking miserable the minute you they're all yeah, actors.
1: They're is. you know they're uh, they're all actors pretending to have a great time and laughing, yeah, they, slapping people in the I back. I know it would break know. my
2: heart to, yeah. to think that they were having no fun.
1: You know now I, I think you know after being over a year of not being in a bar, right, except for my own home, home bar, has has made me really you know you know it sounds stupid, but really miss being in bars and being grateful for the time. i get to spend in bars and and you know i I hopefully you know other bar patrons you know you know this this time away will will make them feel a little bit more grateful for for the experience and and maybe also give bartenders a little bit of a break and and at this point you know come back and and hopefully it is a little bit more fun that's the hope anyway
0: your your words (laughs) to god's ear
3: (laughs) yeah
1: Well, well thank you both for coming on uh you no, know, it's it's uh, not easy topics. Uh, um, but uh, you know, looking forward to uh, hopefully seeing you both in person and, and sharing. Oh your yes, drink. please.
0: Um, uh, I would love that. yes,
1: please. Yeah, all <laughs> all of you.
2: I'll I'll even drink one of Jeff's mudslides.
0: <laughs> yeah, and you know what? <laughs> Happily, you will. Hell yeah. Yeah, Happily. And you'll have a big fucking smile on your face. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Make it a double. Dave and I encourage you to drink responsibly always. Hold up. What was that?